0: And welcome back to another episode of Building the Future. My name is Yanina Shagun. I'm an Associate Fellow for the Project on Prosperity and Development at CSIS, guest hosting for Dan Rundy. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Mary Beth Coat-Jensen, Sustainability Senior Manager at PepsiCo. At PepsiCo, Mary Beth works on the Global Water Stewardship Team, which supports the company's vision to become net water positive. Under their PepsiCo positive transformation, they have partnered to improve safe water access, improve the health of watersheds, and reduce water usage in its own business operations. Prior to joining PepsiCo, Mary Beth worked on water and sustainability issues at Keurig Green Mountain Incorporated, Water for People, and Root Capital. She holds a bachelor's from St. Michael's College and an MBA from the University of Denver. I'm podcasting Mary Beth today to talk about the importance of global water security and the role played by public-private partnerships. Mary Beth, thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question I'd like to ask you is, when did PepsiCo begin to focus on water as a business risk and how did this come about?
1: Sure. So perhaps obvious, but as a food and beverage company, we know the critical role water plays in the broader food system. And it is clearly a key resource for our business, right? From irrigating the crops that we source to being a key ingredient in many of our products. And even beyond this, you know, both PepsiCo, but also the communities in which we operate rely on clean, sustainable water supplies. So we certainly share that common interest in water protection and in conservation. So as a result of this, water stewardship has long been one of PepsiCo's top Priorities, and and we were even one of the first companies of our size to acknowledge water as a human right. And I should mention our long term water strategy it aims to achieve sustainable water security for our business, but also for natural ecosystems, for the local communities I just mentioned that depend on accessible and and reliable supply of safe water. So that's how the focus came about. But you also asked when. So some of our initial water stewardship goals date back to 2006. And they have over the years grown in both ambition, but also scope. So fast forward um, to a set of 2025 goals, for example, they became more comprehensive in scope in that their focus was on a holistic view of our value chain and also the watersheds where we operate. And as of today, we have a new impact driven ambition that we call PepsiCo positive or PEP positive. And that outlines a set of 2030 goals that sets that bar even higher and includes, as you mentioned in the intro, the aim to become net water positive as well.
0: That's awesome. That's great to hear. And especially it it sounds like you've really been a leader on these issues for quite a while now, and they're continuously only getting more and more important. So I think you touched on this already a little bit, but can you just expand on what PepsiCo's goals are on water?
1: Certainly. So I did mention goals kind of expand across the value chain. So we have goals within our supply chain, within agriculture, goals within operations and beyond. So specifically, we aim within our supply chain to advocate for and contribute to a measurable improvement in the health of high water risk watersheds where we directly source our crops. This includes but also goes beyond water use efficiency efforts. Within our operations, we also have a water use efficiency target that applies to all of our company-owned facilities, but also our third-party manufacturing facilities. So that actually covers more than a thousand different manufacturing facilities. And and the target is either best in class or world class in high risk or lower risk watersheds, respectively. I'll I'll save uh, sharing the specific numbers on the podcast, but people can find them online. We also have a, a replenishment target. This is specific to high water risk areas where we're focused on replenishing more than 100% of the water we use in our company-owned facilities. And as you've heard a couple of times, also including our third-party manufacturing facilities, 100% of the water used in those facilities as well. We are members of an organization called the Alliance for Water Stewardship, and they have something called the AWS Standard. And we aim to adopt that standard, which looks both within our operations, but also externally at at that source watershed, again, within our our high water risk facilities. And I'll mention last, but absolutely not least, a focus on delivering safe water access to 100 million people by, by 2030.
0: That's really, really great. And I think it sounds like your company is really focused on the impact that you have and the impact that your work can do. Flipping that question a little bit, how would you say water affects your products?
1: I'll go back to maybe it was the first thing that I said, which is the fact that we are a food and beverage company, right? So good quality, fresh water, it is vital, to our business. I already mentioned it's it's a key ingredient in our products and in our beverages for example. It's critical to grow the crops within our agricultural supply chain, but beyond that, it's also key to ensuring we can meet the highest product safety and quality standards within our manufacturing facilities. It is essential for the health and safety of our employees, and and as I mentioned earlier, the communities in which we operate as well. So really, quite clearly, a lack of water, or rather a lack of quality water, has a very direct impact on our end-to-end business operations.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I think, I guess you've touched on, you said you work with local communities. I want to switch topics a little bit and hear how you're just working with other stakeholders. So first of all, why does PepsiCo pursue multi-stakeholder partnerships on water?
1: Well, I have to say, I love this question. It is key to the work that I do on a daily basis. And frankly, it is a common thread throughout my career. And I mentioned earlier that our long-term strategy, it encompasses not only water security for our business, right? But we're also thinking about ecosystems, about local communities. So this issue, it's bigger than any one company. It's bigger than any one organization, And we work in partnership with local stakeholders to tackle these water risks, these shared water risks. And to work at scale, it's essential to meaningfully mitigate these risks. And when I think about working at scale, I think about needing broad-based consensus broad-based alignment from across different stakeholder groups on the kinds of activities on those mitigation measures that are proposed that could be implemented. And beyond that, really thinking about and needing the willingness of all of those affected parties, those affected stakeholders to participate. That's how we can really drive scaled impact, scaled change. And so PepsiCo has recognized this. We're we're engaged in a number of innovative actions and collaborations that seek to address water risk through these collaborative partnerships for exactly that reason.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an issue where everyone has an impact on the quality of our water and the accessibility of water. So, kind of partnering with other groups makes a ton of sense. And I think I want to just delve a little deeper on some of the specific partners that you did mention. How do you work with local communities on water?
1: I'm sure many have heard before water is a local issue, right? It is complex. And so first and foremost, we work to understand water challenges at that local level and support the kinds of collaborative solutions that address those unique needs in a given watershed. You can't understand those needs and those opportunities without engaging with the community? And I'll I'll answer this question by giving you a couple of examples. Hopefully that'll help bring it to life a bit more. So I mentioned our replenishment program. As part of that program, we joined something called the Greater Cape Town Water Fund. This initiative was established by the Nature Conservancy and the city of Cape Town in South Africa in 2018. And it's a public-private sector partnership that not only promotes collective action, but really enables it. It enables that collaborative stakeholder engagement to implement activities, in this case, very specific and unique, designed for the local watershed challenges. Okay, so what are those watershed challenges? In this particular case... The challenge that was identified in the watershed was that over two-thirds of source water areas were taken over by invasive alien plants, and these can quickly replace native species if unmanaged. This is something that is quite common, a lot of people would be familiar with, and the reason it's such a challenge is when those invasive species take over, they can alter soil ecology. They can increase frequency and severity of wildfires. They can affect river flow and aquifer recharge quite significantly. And these invasive plant species, they can access and abstract more groundwater than native plants. So essentially they are thirstier and they are very well equipped to get the water that they need. So in the case of this Greater Cape Town Water Fund, a collective of partners, including PepsiCo, came together and sought to implement a project to remove those invasive plant species and ultimately increase water security. Beyond that, another incredible impact is that this partnership was also designed to contribute to the conservation and restoration of ecosystem functioning and to contribute to increasing biodiversity of native plants and animals. So a huge diversity of impact as a result, and certainly not the kind of initiative that could have gotten off the ground or been successful without engagement of the local community, the local government without that local information and a huge diversity of stakeholders that are participating in in this particular project as well. Happy to give other examples, but hopefully this one, which I have to say is one of my favorites, hopefully it brings to life a bit how we prioritize working with local communities.
0: No, it definitely does. And I think especially it really highlights that your work would not be as impactful as you're able to be without the input from the local partners who understand the needs and and the community so well. And so going off of that, I know you mentioned you worked with local partners in that situation. And I'm sure when you work with other companies on this issue. You integrate local communities as well into that work, but I'm curious to hear, you know, do you work with other companies, including even possibly your competitors on this issue? Certainly we do.
1: Absolutely. And it's a great question. You know, water risks, they're felt by many, right? It is rarely something that is impacting one company in isolation. And so our peers are competitors. They're facing many of the same challenges that we are. And many have also prioritized water stewardship initiatives. And so there's certainly a need to ensure that the private sector take into consideration all of the different stakeholders impacted by a given water risk. Hopefully that sounds like a bit of a drumbeat in what I've been sharing. Ultimately, this is what enables that collaborative approach to mitigating the risks that really are shared. And I mentioned earlier that to affect change at scale and at the scale that is needed, partnership is essential. And that absolutely includes partnership with other companies and partnership with competitors. I am not going to pretend that that is easy. So I'll I'll add that um, there are a couple of ways that we work to help us better engage in this way. One of them, we participate in coalitions and also industry collaboratives. Thinking of groups such as the Beverage Industry Environmental Roundtable, also known as BEER, the CEO Water Mandate has a water resource coalition, their Wash for Work initiatives. This is just to name a few, but these kinds of groups can really help the private sector organize itself and then go beyond the kinds of one-to-one partnerships and one-to-one project models that so many of us are used to. And in our watershed health efforts, I just mentioned the Greater Cape Town Water Fund. This is a great example of where those diverse partners came together, including companies that are competitors in that market, ultimately putting that aside in this initiative to advance this work, to improve local water security, to improve biodiversity. I'll give another example. I mentioned one of our goals related to the Alliance for Water Stewardship, our, our aim to adopt that standard, I think is another great example. And many other companies are utilizing this AWS standard. And what it does is it not only considers site level water risks so it not only asks you to look at the risks within your own manufacturing operations the opportunities you have within your facility to improve your water use efficiency for example to improve your water related processes and activities but it also guides us to understand and address those shared water challenges and the way it does that is through pursuing that diverse stakeholder engagement. And again, it includes engagement with other companies that are in that same watershed so that we can share learning, so that we can explore the opportunity of collective water stewardship in these watersheds. So again, certainly working with diverse stakeholders, including other companies, absolutely including competitors, it's something I think we all need to consider if we want to have lasting impact if we want to have impact at a watershed scale. And this is certainly something that PepsiCo works to do as well.
0: That's really helpful to kind of, paint a very complete picture of all of the incredible work that you and PepsiCo do. And, you know, I guess my final question is, it it seems like you've really dedicated a lot of your career to this issue and your incredible work at PepsiCo on this issue. And so I'm just curious if there's anything you want to share with us about what inspires you or a fun, quick story about something that has been really impactful for you throughout your career on this work.
1: You're absolutely right. I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to do this kind of work. It comes from a personal drive. It is reflective of how I try to live my life as well, even if that makes family and friends crazy with sharing articles and sharing opportunities for how they can live a more sustainable life, how they can think about being a better water steward themselves. And so perhaps a a good example is just that this is something that I regularly talk about in my personal life as well. I think there is opportunity to share the kinds of activities that are that can be really simple to think about the food that you choose to eat, the foods that you buy, they have incredibly diverse impacts on the environment, um, different water use within those foods. I am the person who hangs their laundry on the clothesline outside and love to tell people how it smells like fresh air and isn't that fantastic. So maybe not one story, but the opportunity to share not just how a company of the size of PepsiCo is making a difference, but to try to also be that champion for each individual and how we, also, can affect change, can be that champion within our community and within our own home just through the daily choices and practices that we make.
0: That's awesome. And thank you for sharing your story and PepsiCo's story with us today. We really, really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, the Asia Chessboard, China Power,